yeah, that's that's a good point. I love it. I'm getting my label maker right now. <laughs> <laughs> I this up my laptop. Uh, struggle city. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Nailed it. Got Nailed it. Nailed it, right? Wow. All right. Uh, once again, it is the mechanic, the accountant, and the economist coming to you from the FI Garage. Howdy. Hello. And uh, first beer of the evening, boys. This is an exciting time. Well, you know... This I... is the first time I'm not opening the beer. Because <laughs> I'm not in the beer opening seat. Right? Yeah, I don't know if I enjoy the fact that we've switched our seating arrangement. Things have been changed up. we swapped seats. We've added a different headset. So we'll see how We're even doing a new format. Yeah, a little adjustment to the format. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a magnet on the bottom of this. <laughs> okay, I know it's just a bottle opener. Well, you know. Anyway, uh, I wanted to say that I was starting to feel bad for all the people that don't live on the West Coast because we were just sampling awesome West Coast beer. Right. So we're gonna broaden, gonna broaden our horizons a little bit here, and tonight we've chosen a, a couple beers from Unibrew, which is in Chambly, Quebec. I don't know if you're saying that right. I am not bilingual. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they made me take French in school. A tout le monde. A tout le monde. Oh, I, I wasn't close. I think you close. say tout. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so this is... Uh, I barely speak English, let alone French. Yeah, just stick to the numbers. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, a tout le monde, I believe is the closest it's I can pronounce it. It's really actually bad called, It's actually called Megadeth. And it's a Saison Ale, and it was brewed at the request of Dave Mustaine, lead singer of heavy metal band Megadeth. It uses a dry hopping technique, and to date has the lowest alcohol content of any Unibrew beer. No kidding. Yeah. At the request of the Megadeth guy. That's what they, that's what they tell me. Huh. That doesn't seem very Megadeth-y to have the lowest alcohol content. No. I don't know maybe, a lot about Megadeth, maybe but... Maybe he was recovering. Do you realize that if you just take the bottle cap off the foil that get in the beer so it's a twist top is what you're saying is no. what you're trying to tell me after you handed me a bottle opener so i assume <laughs> that it was not a twist top i should i used the bottle opener too all right tonight uh we are going to we're, we're going off the reservation here we're gonna, not going to talk about index investing no we're going to talk about dividend investing yes dividend yes, investing yes high five who doesn't love dividends, dividends? <laughs> Now, I'll be, uh, well, first of all, as usual, let's clarify that uh, this is for entertainment purposes only. We're not here to provide any kind of financial advice. No. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of head shaking that was good. Re- really thought you were going somewhere with that no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just agreeing that we're not here to provide financial advice. That's true. Okay. That's true. Because uh, dividend investing has been getting... Uh, I've read a lot of negative negativity towards dividend investing lately. You know what? We already messed up. We forgot a segment. Talking about the beer? No, talking about the interesting article that the mechanic found. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's go back to the segment, uh, part one. Our feature article of this week is brought to you by... We're doing a Money Sense article. It's actually brought to you by the folks at Webster's because it's the interesting article, not the feature article. Oh, we're doing the... Oh, well. Okay, semantics. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, and it's titled... Uh, it's written by Jonathan uh, Chevreau, who appears to have a 
similar name to our French beer. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at anything. I immediately apologize to anybody from Quebec who is listening to this. Yeah, this this is uh, maybe not the most politically correct episode we've done so far. <laughs> Nor will it probably be the least politically correct episode we ever do. <laughs> All right, so the article is how work optional, quotes, can fit into your retirement plan. So he goes into the discussion here about uh, Tanya Hester's book, Work Optional, which I'm almost finished. I'm halfway through. I haven't read a page. <laughs> yeah, you also didn't read this article, so <laughs> no, I read the article. All but, right. Uh, well, why don't you why don't you chime in on what you thought of the article then, and we can fill you in. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <sighs> We're not starting well. <laughs> it's not a great run. We're having to start with. Why don't, the accountant? Why don't you roll out what this article meant to you? Oh, I haven't read it. <laughs> you guys picked this article. Did I pick the you article? Picked you the picked article. the article. Oh, wow. <laughs> you specifically told me not to read it so that I could give feedback based on what you were talking about. Oh, this is this is a flop. <laughs> Should we restart? No, no, no. I'll, I'll just run with it here. So he starts by discussing the book Work Optional by Tanya Hester, which I'm almost finished, and... We'll do a, a book review of that at a later date. We won't get deep into that. What I thought was interesting about this article is that he kind of references that the, the, the material that's come out in the book, and then he jumps back a few years. And I liked this quote is sort of what caught me. And uh, it says here, a good well-planned retirement is designed to ensure that the vast majority of our time and energy is focused on achieving outcomes that are most important to us. And not having to do the bidding of others. I mean, I think that's the whole, you know, internet retirement police telling you that you can't work or whatever, that you're not actually retired or saying that fire is a terrible idea. I mean, it's just doing everything you want to do on your own terms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If that means you're self-employed and you work 60 hours a week and you love working 60 hours a week doing whatever you want to do, then, then do fine. Yeah. It, one thing I didn't like in this article and, you know always we bash on like well, this is sort of mainstream media but they talk about the 50 percent saving rates that fire enthusiasts a spouse again it's like um he, the word super frugality is used in there i just disagree with that yeah it's more uh value it's value and mind value spending yeah right? it's not i mean none of us are super frugal right let's be fair yeah no i don't think twice about most of my spending because but. you know what because I know you've what, established what gives you what gives me enjoyment. Right? So enjoyment. if I know I enjoy it and it's worth the money, I just pay for it. I don't yeah. care. It's pay yourself first and prioritize. And <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I was doing some mental math when I read this, and uh, I think we're fairly close to the fifty percent. It's tough for us to track because we work out of town a lot. We have a lot of um, expenses that are blended into our spending, so I'd really have to itemize things, and that's a lot of time. Right. But and I, that I would can... take away from your editing time. So yeah. we can't editing we can't be dealing with that. A lot of time these days. Especially after how we started this episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you got two days worth of work right yeah. there. It's a good thing the content is so high quality that, you know, it's worth the time. It's true. Yeah. Well, you are with the economist and there myself. There's at least a hundred so. people who know that. That's right. We hit a 
we hit the century mark on listeners, which was pretty fantastic. So thanks for listening. On a few episodes. Yeah, a couple episodes. Well, let's not disappoint. Anyway, I the article is quite good. Um, it is, you know, it's got the Canadian angle, and you know, as usual, the, the word retirement shows up way too often. And I think we can all agree here that uh, you know we're we're trying to focus on financial independence. And didn't you redefine fire just on Twitter the other week? Yes. I said financial independence, refocus energy, because you just get to do whatever you want instead of retire early, quote unquote. It's good. Let's see if we get any traction. And then you said you gave another option. Yeah, you're going to put me on the spot, though. Yeah, you don't remember, (laughs) do you? It wasn't that good. That's because, well, it wasn't yours. It was. Yeah, it was. Really? Yeah. Oh. Do you remember what it was? No, it's on Twitter, though. (laughs) It's on the show notes, too. We're really good at remembering, uh, remembering stuff this week. I just I burned a lot of brain cells at work for the last two weeks. Hey, we haven't done this in a while. It, it yeah. Was tough, yeah. All right. So, anyway, that's the interesting article of the week. So hey, back to nailed it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's what Not we're going to call semantics. It. Yeah. The interesting <laughs> article of the week. Uh so dividend investing. All right. Well, what do you think of this beer before we get too uh, far ahead oh, of ourselves? I'm sorry. It's uh, unoffensive. <laughs> which i'm sure that's what megadeth was going for yes that's which, probably what which, they wanted if you read the name you'd expect something a little more hard-hitting and impactful right uh it's pretty easy going saison yeah. yep yeah i don't mind it smooth it came out of a mixer pack which is fun you know yeah to get to get some samples can't wait for the next one yeah. <laughs> right. Gonna so. need it the way this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, please drink along with us tonight. Yeah. yeah. We are struggling. We are going to suggest you have at least three beers before you start listening to this podcast. I will be the first to admit that I use a a hybrid investing approach. So we're gonna talk about dividends. Now we're gonna talk about dividends. Okay. okay. Good. I'm trying, good I'm trying to lead you into it. Okay. Just Perfect. Me, just let me talk. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I've been building up my portfolio of Canadian blue chip stocks. Yep, slowly because <laughs> they're quite expensive when right. you're trying to buy bank stocks. But my goal is to generate a generation cash flow from my tax shelters accounts. Well, I guess come pulling out of the RSP is not going to be no sheltered at that point, but no. the tax free savings account will be. Yep. So with my time frame defy being six or seven years i'll build up a little bit of a dividend income cash flow right. from my tfsa yeah and then whatever comes out of my non-registered account will be hopefully well depending on what my income is at that time will be won't be taxed heavily yeah i was gonna try to say how it was taxed but we're gonna talk about that as part yeah. of the episode yeah so and then i and then i also have i diversify myself with using a bunch of index etfs for international emerging market exposure, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't have any Canadian ETFs? You know, I do. Right. And I've been thinking about that recently and looking at it because I've got a TDE series and a Vanguard ETF, which is Canadian market. Right. And I'm thinking I've got too much Canadian bias. Right. Right. Especially because I'm using specifically Canadian dividend stocks to generate that cash flow. Right. So the accountant, you've got, you're using some dividend stocks as well? Yeah, I use... I mean, I use some dividend Canadian dividend ETFs to get kind of my broad base coverage, and then I have some specific 
stocks with a little higher yield that I've gone after, specifically some REITs. Um, I still do own bank stocks as well. Now, uh, I, I think I read an article recently. Uh, somebody was telling us why they didn't use uh, dividend REITs or dividend ETFs. And that's basically the premise is you can build the same portfolio without paying the management fee because almost every one of the Canadian you know, dividend ETFs holds the exact same group of companies. Right. You know, you've got your big banks, you've got some of your oil companies, you know, all that stuff. Right. So do you go the ETF route because you're not investing that much money? Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> Better to dollar cost average in and then you're not paying any trading fees. Yeah. That that's probably what the killer is, right? Is I'm with TD for <clears throat> excuse me for my TFSA, so I'm paying the nine ninety nine to purchase. Right. To get that dividend stock. Yeah. Um, but I think the I've been getting a lot of, reading a lot of things with a lot of negativity towards dividend investing these days. And what's their basis for that? A lot of the argument is that you're better off being in an index fund that's not going to pay out the dividends because you're just going to reinvest them anyway. So why not just leave the money in there, not take the dividends back out? potentially have a taxable event if you're in a non-registered account and just the argument that technically if you have a hundred dollar company and it pays out a one dollar dividend well now you have a dollar and a 99 dollar company and i hate that argument so very much and i understand that fundamentally that's the math behind it but i'm buying a business i want that business to pay me some of its profits right I get it, you know, some of these high growth companies that are they're constantly reinvesting their profits and hypothetically their business is worth more money over time, but we're also talking about the stock market. It's volatile, it fluctuates. Right. What what the value of your stock is and I get that this goes against the efficient market hypothesis, but what the value of your stock is is what somebody's willing to pay for it. And it doesn't actually reduce by the amount of dividends. No. No. I mean, it never holds true, right? And I get that in theory that's correct, but it's also a risk factor. Like if I'm going to just have a company that reinvests my dividends for 30 years and then sell it in 30 years time, your payback year period is 30 years. If I buy a stock of a company and collect dividends every quarter, I'm getting paid back over time as well as getting appreciation from the stock. If you're buying a good blue chip dividend paying and you buy and hold and you buy and hold yeah, yeah. well i'm gonna throw this in here um my own advisor.ca mark seed over there he's got a he's got a great blog to start with a ton of information there we're very knowledgeable and uh, we're gonna get him on the show here fairly soon but he's got a great line in uh this article here where he wrote dividend dividend investing works period and i just want to quote this line here uh his second approach to investing is in investing is it, is investing in many blue chip dividend paying stocks for income. And he, he quotes three items that he says that the approach works for him because the income received from these companies is real, just like you stated there. Yeah. Found. And he says, I can count on many of these companies to increase their dividends over time, helping to protect me from inflation. The approach, seeing the income and capital appreciation from these companies helps me stick to an investing plan I believe in. And this is, I think, is a key thing here, right? And he just uses another little quote from Pre Banerjee. He says that uh, personal finance success is 90% psychology, 
and about 8% math. Yeah. That makes sense. What's the other 2%? <laughs> Good, I'm glad you caught that. No, he says the uh, the missing 2% is the quirky reminder of the insignificance of the math. Right? So, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've read a lot of um, Mark's posts on his blog there, and he's he started far ahead of me in in his uh, investing and I, and I i kind of follow the same approach as he does like i said at the beginning diversifies with ets for international exposure and then holds for income and and for me it is a psychological thing because you know you and i talk about it and it's nice to see the those dividends rolling in and i'm reinvesting everything right now but eventually it'll just be a cash flow stream well and on the psychology side of it if the market takes a dump and you're still receiving dividends from those shares, you're going to have a lot better you're chance. Less to you're sell. less you're likely less to sell to if you're still take, keep taking in div- right. dividends. Yes. You're not going to panic. Because yeah. your returns are likely going to go up at that point. Yeah, exactly. Now all of a sudden, you're, you're might more, more, yeah, you might be yeah. more likely to buy in more at a low because your yield has increased. Yeah, that's right. So, And I mean, I look at my family's personal finances as a business. So yes, we're lots. a the best way to look at it. We're a business and we have multiple income streams. We have my job. We have my wife's job. We have the rental properties. Dividends are another income stream for the business. It's another way to diversify the cash flows that come into that business. And when people are saying that there's nothing wrong with a solid buy and hold in ETFs, I'm not saying it's bad, but you know, cash flow is king in businesses. A lot of businesses don't fail because the businesses are bad. They fail because the managers can't manage their cash flow on the business. Well, dividends are a way to get yourself cash flow. Right. Yeah. Instead of selling your shares. Instead of selling your shares, instead of just having a forever buy and hold strategy. And I mean, personally too, it's a psychological thing. I hate drawing down on capital. Yeah. Once I've earned that capital, I don't want to lose yeah. it. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of my capital. But you'd be happy to take the dividends. But I'm happy to take the dividends. Right. Now, I sent you the article the other day as well. We'll have to put it in the show notes. The one about where in, in specific... We should have a little... We'll, we'll kind of... After I mention this, we'll go back and kind of just have a little bit of analysis of where we're holding certain assets, just so that's clear. But the the comment was specifically for non-registered accounts to not hold dividend stocks in there, to have growth and value stocks instead, because then you're only you're only taxable on your capital gains when you sell gains. Yeah. Right. So, but then we can also argue saying, well, especially in BC and, and it's various province province, but you can have an allowable amount of dividend income. That's non-taxable. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. So as long as you don't have other revenue streams that are going to bring up your marginal tax rate, you can have, you know, arguably actual passive income from dividends in a non-registered in a non, account, non-registered account, non-taxable. non-taxable. If yeah. you have no other source of income, it's I forget the exact number, but it's somewhere around fifty thousand dollars in yeah, dividends. That's right. That you will have zero tax paid on. Now, I mean, we don't want to necessarily say like that's a fairly large portfolio to have that in non-reg, absolutely, absolutely. all in Canadian bias too, because you're yeah. going to be holding Canadian stocks. So yeah, you know, yeah, that's that is only for Canadian yeah. stocks, right? Yeah. yeah. Eligible dividends. Yeah, eligible right. dividends are only for Canadian and stocks. If you're listening from the states, they have a similar program, I believe, but it's only American stocks. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good a good place to just maybe uh, clarify a little bit about where we're holding dividend stocks. So, we're kind of focusing on Canadian dividend stocks as a form of cash flow. So, we're going to hold those in the non-reg non-registered account or in our TFSA. Yeah. Right? You can hold them in your RRSP too, 
but ideally I think the TFSA is the better place because then you can cash flow out that dividend tax money. free. Yeah. Tax free. Yeah. So in your RSP, if you wanted to hold any kind of US dividend paying stocks or international or US ETFs, you want to hold it in there. It's or, better. Or if you have bonds or GICs or T bills. Yeah. Any kind of uh, yeah. yeah. Interest bearing. Interest bearing. Way better in your RSP. And that, I mean, on the U.S. side of things, that's partially because the U.S. recognizes the RRSP mm-hmm. as a as a recognized savings vehicle. The tax-free savings account is not recognized. Right. So if you're holding U.S. securities in your TFSA, you're still going to lose your 15% withholding tax. Right. So then it's really not tax-free. Why bother having it in there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, as the, as the TFSA grows year over year and your investments in there grow, if your if your time frame's ten or fifteen years out, you know you could be looking at a, a two hundred thousand dollar portfolio on there that is potentially cash flowing you, you know, eight thousand eight thousand dollars a year in, in tax free income. Yeah. So that's not nothing. No, I mean that's, that's pretty... eight thousand. That's eight thousand. <laughs> that's no way. Is that how the math works out? Wow, crazy. Right I'm so glad we have that's him. About eight thousand more than nothing. <laughs> wow. All right, we talked a little bit about the dividend tax credit there well, oh, in that section. Where are you going yeah. with this? Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, hey, I want to pr- promote a new Canadian fire blogger. Okay, yeah. Is there, Are we ready I, for that? I think we are. Okay, here we go. So, uh, no names mentioned. He can broadcast his own name. But uh, the website is new, and it is called CanadianFire.ca. And uh, he actually has a very appropriate post that came out and... It's exactly what we're talking about, the dividend tax credit. So it's CanadianFire.ca. He talks about a couple scenarios here where... What's the name of the article? uh, The dividend tax credit is on fire. I like that. Sorry, I missed that. Uh, He he runs through three different scenarios here, running the marginal tax rate for three different provinces, Quebec, Ontario, and BC, and taxable income versus eligible eligible dividend income and i won't go through all the the boring numbers here because we got hey they're exciting numbers but you got to read it you can't listen to it yeah yeah correct reading it. we would suggest reading it and not listening to the mechanic talk about it yeah. right well <laughs> you know, the the bottom line is scenario three is zero taxable income eligible dividend income like you mentioned is 50k uh, zero income from capital gains and zero other income. So just some dividend income. Yeah. Uh, in British Columbia, you're going to pay zero. In Ontario, you're paying $600. And in Quebec, you're paying 1100 but you get free daycare. So. <laughs> well, and uh, don't they get like the majority of the tax revenue from the federal government? Let's not go down that road. Okay. <laughs> Again, least politically (laughs) right now he does highlight some risks okay and this is an important thing that we need to recognize uh the canadian bias risk is a problem because you're going to be holding a lot of canadian corporations absolutely and canada is such a small percentage of the world market right that and i think that holds true for anybody investing in canada i mean you want Mm -hmm. a good chunk of international equities if that's what you're going for that's right and he mentions that, you know, there's risk to your marginal tax rate too, because this is assumed with zero other incomes. So if you have, yeah, you know, part-time work, side yeah. hustle, rental income, you need to be aware of what your marginal tax rate is going to be, because you're going to get nailed with that with a dividend gross up. Yeah. Which maybe you can go into that a little bit in a minute here, accountant, you can fill people on that. 
Okay, I'll let you go with that, but we'll talk about the chasing yield, chasing dividend risk as well a little bit after that. How's that? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was sequence of return risk. Okay, sure. That's so, important. And I mean, that's a major factor when you're going for FI is if you're just in growth stocks that don't pay dividends and you are relying on those assets and you have a major market downturn. You're going to be pulling, drawing. You're going to draw and you start drawing down at the bottom of the market. You might end up drawing so much of your portfolio that it never comes back. Right. But if you're counting on dividends, even through 2008, a lot of the good blue chip Canadian dividend paying stocks maintain their dividends. Right. You could still collect that cash, not actually draw down on your portfolio and wait for it to recover. So dividends are a great hedge against sequence of return risk. And again, there's going to be some psychological value to that going, hey, I'm still got some cash flow. I don't need to sell that off. And I mean, even if it's that, you know, if you need $40,000 a year to live and you're getting $20,000 a year in dividends, well, if you start your retirement and you're having a really terrible market cycle, well, maybe you cut back your spending a little bit. Maybe you live off 20 and you only draw down 10 and you don't absolutely ruin your portfolio over a really bad time period. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So what about, uh, you You asked him a specific question, though. Oh, was that about the dividend tax credit? How other income will the, affect, or how the dividend gross up? The gross up works. There's a lot of confusion with how the dividend gross up works. Can Are you able to sort of give that a quick we, summary? Or? Yeah, I won't give the exact numbers on it because yeah. it gets confusing if you do that. But essentially, if I take a $100 dividend, it gets grossed up by a percentage so it'll actually be say $120. So your taxable dividend. So your taxable dividend is $120, but then you get a dividend tax credit on top of that which reduces your like you get the tax credit on it which would reduce the taxes owing. Now I'm more confused than when I thought I knew what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think it meant? Well, it's to do because the company the company that issues the dividends already paid tax. Their, their dividends that's that's the tax. theory behind why it is. I'm just saying yeah. that's how the actual mechanism of what okay. works. <laughs> yeah, if you actually want to get into hot, because the company has paid tax and the flow throughs of all of that, it gets very confusing and technical. And I don't think anybody wants to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on a 20 minute explanation no, of that. Right. but So uh, another thing from the Mark Seed article you, you referenced. Um, he said how companies with a history of paying dividends are companies with high profits. And shouldn't we want to invest in companies with high profits? Well, and generally, and I mean, this isn't always true, but if you have a company that has a large history of paying dividends, they're generally stable companies that are earning money. Well, and I think that's a good point to interject. You've heard of the dividend aristocrats. Yeah, of course. Right, and... You know, if, if you're a beginner investor, a beginner dividend investor, you want to want to you know diversify into this sort of approach. That list is a pretty good place to start, and you can find it online. I don't have a dot ca or dot com to look up right now, but a dividend. Oh, I, I think it was actually uh, the website, the dividend growth investor website. He's got a fantastic one where he goes through each sector of the economy. And he's got the number of years that each uh, of the major players in those industry those sectors have been paying dividends. And the amount of years in a row they've increased their dividends. Exactly. Yeah. 
So we'll link that, I guess. Yeah, we should link that, and it just popped into my mind. I, I wasn't, I hadn't planned on right discussing right. about it. I was yeah. looking at the account, and I know we shared it. And it was, we were both like, "Wow, yeah, it's a very, fantastic. it's a very detailed list. It's great. Yeah, really detailed. And you basically look in there, and I think you'd find if you looked in your, you know, your Vanguard VCN Canadian fund, and you looked at the top ten holdings. I'm confident without even looking it up that they all pay a dividend. Oh, they're all yeah. the standard. Right. They're your big Canadian banks. That'll be the same in any index. Pretty much. But what my point Except is... maybe Google doesn't pay dividends. No. Yeah. Well, the the U.S. is a completely different monster than the Canadian market. So it's market. not the same in the U.S.? No. The top 10 S&P 500 don't pay dividends? I don't. I think, like, maybe a couple of them oh, do. Okay. Yeah, well, S&P is a growth index, isn't it? Yeah. Mostly. Well, it's the largest 500 companies. Largest 500, yeah. Yeah. But because, like, Amazon, I don't think, pays a dividend. Google right. doesn't pay a dividend. Does Microsoft? Oh, Microsoft does. They do, but it's pretty small. It's pr- uh, yeah, it's, like, around 1% or something Maybe like we'll that. make a note of this in the show notes. And actually look at it. Yeah, yeah, as long as the show notes get more complicated, so you have to spend as much time on them as I, I do editing, then we're, it's fair. They're not quick. <laughs> well, I noticed I'm behind on updating the episode beers, so i got to get on that, too. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, thanks for that. I'm going to designate that job soon. Uh, I've actually been having to work at work lately. Brutal, right? Like, it really ruins getting things done during the day. <laughs> uh, getting one day closer to five, though. That's what they tell me anyway. Yeah. So, do we want to approach the deep dive, or do we want to have a second well, beer? Well, I just, there's a couple things I wanted to raise. Yeah, go. Get in there. Um, Don't so wait for me. If you're going <laughs> to... Well, I was, but you just never got there. Uh, <laughs> if if we're investing in dividends and say we're throwing a thousand dollars a month at the stock market, say okay, um, and we'd probably throw some of that thousand at ETFs and some at the dividends. So say you're only investing five hundred a month in dividends. The cost to buy your stocks is is going to be. <laughs> Just moving the mic closer so I can actually hear them. <laughs> the cost to buy the stocks is it might be that's much better, uh, significant to you. Yes, depending on what your fee structure is, and we've talked about discount brokerages before, right. and I think that a lot of times can be the argument for using a dividend index. Totally, is that sure I could own all these things individually, but I might not be getting the cost average in if I have high trading fees and. I think what you need to do is it needs to be a more planned investment. Like it's great to dollar cost average in and buy your ETFs every month. But for me, I usually do the calculation on how much of a specific stock I need to buy in order to get a full share drip. Right. Okay. So. And we sh- you should explain what a drip we'll is. We'll explain what a drip is just in a second here. What I'll do though is I'll, I'll save that money. And when I get to that cash value, that's going to be, you know, thirty five hundred bucks or four thousand dollars to buy, usually a, a full lot, like a hundred shares or maybe an odd lot, one hundred and fifty. But I know I've done the calculations, and I usually give myself a bit of runway so that I'll continue to drip that stock, even if the price goes up. Even if the price goes up, yeah, that's kind of my goal. So sometimes you just have to save that money. Yeah, it's right. not going to work for you every month. Yeah, which some will argue that is inefficient. Right, but if it's in my EQ Bank account earning two point three percent, it's it's not nothing. Yeah, it's not nothing. Two point three percent. Two point three. 
<laughs> and I usually find that I've been I've been getting ready to drop money in my TFSA in January anyway. So that that's that chunk of cash that's already available. Right. So then I'll look at what my options are for moving that all into one investment or two investments and paying one or two transaction fees and not trying and then that's it. It's buy and hold forever. Yeah. Now. And so as you ask the drip, unless you want to explain it. No, go ahead. Okay, thanks. I'm getting thirsty though. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Kim. No, 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 I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's just on me then. The DRIP stands for Dividend Reinvestment Plan. And essentially, every time you collect a dividend of that stock, then you buy more of the stock. Your dividend needs to be an amount large enough that you can buy, buy another share, share, a whole share of yeah. the stock. Your gross dividends. And I think I don't think people are that unfamiliar with the, the term DRIP, the concept, right. because yeah. you can DRIP ETFs too. It's yes. a similar principle. And, and if you've got a TDE series fund... When you get paid a distribution or dividend from that, uh, you drip a fractional amount. Yeah, you automatically get. For any kind of full share, you need the full amount and the rest just goes to cash. Unless you're invested directly with the company. That's an interesting point too. You were talking about that a while ago. I am with BMO and BNS, I believe. Um, You have a paper certificate. Well, no, I have a theoretical certificate. But it's, it's in my name. It's not in the brokerage's name. It's not in, say, well, Simple's name. Right. It's you it actually says Mr. Economist on it. Right. And you own that share. Right. So they allow reinvestment with fractional okay. uh drips and they also allow you to send an amount per month to them. That's that's an interesting way Whether to do it. Whether it's fifty or a hundred dollars. There's a minimum per month right. and also a maximum. But you can reinvest with uh, directly yeah. through the company. Now you can do that with any of the holdings that you want, but I've heard that there's a it's fairly expensive to buy the paper certificate so that you can register directly. Well, I wouldn't say you can do it with any of the holdings you want. Well, the, for an example, for like a Canadian bank, it's seventy five bucks. You can get a paper certificate and then register it. From what I right, but I'm saying not all uh, companies have a, a direct pro stock purchase program. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think right. There's at least one of the five banks does not have the program. But you're right, it does um, cost a significant amount to transfer the share to your name. Probably makes it not worthwhile. <laughs> not worthwhile, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we're using an online brokerage for simplicity and yeah. and uh, management. I'm thirsty. I'm really yeah, thirsty. Let's, let's these, get a beer. These small beers are just... <laughs> what, are you, what are we doing with small beers? Eh, it was a mixer pack. Maybe we'll do a third beer. It gets messy when we do a third beer. These are small. We haven't released the overtime episode. Uh, I'm still editing overtime. There's a lot of cussing in that one. It's just going to be one solid (laughs) beep. (laughs) We started off really well, but I haven't got further on in it yet, so we'll see. I bet it goes downhill. All right. uh, I'll go have a look and see what's in the fridge. What's in the fridge? The second beer out of the fridge tonight is, well, interesting. We started with uh, Le Toulemont. Ah. Ah. Ah, ah Toulemont. Thank you for the correction, teacher. Uh, all the world. If I think I'm right. I think so. And then we're finishing up the episode tonight with La Fin de Mont. So it may be our last episode. <laughs> End of the world? Now, the first beer was 4.5%, and this one is double. That would make nine. Yeah. Uh, so Le Fin de Mont, uh, again by Unibrew, and it's been brewed since 1994. 
and Le Fin de Mont has earned more medals and awards in international competitions than any other Canadian beer. How's that? For wow. Now, this is a Belgian, oh, I'm going to get, that's a Belgian triple. And the Belgian triples, doubles and triples are really good. If you like that flavor right. and, and the smell, uh, this is one of my, this is a top beer. I don't buy it very often just because it's really, it's a lot to drink. To Cheers. Fair. Cheers. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Have you not had it before? I don't think I have. Oh, it's yeah, it's a it's a tasty beer. It's, it's definitely it's tasty. Much more offensive than the uh, Tulama. Uh, it's twice as big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can taste big. that. Yeah, and uh, oh, I don't even know what that picture is, but I'm sure it's Quebec. <laughs> Moving on. Anyhow, uh, I wanted to uh, bring up uh, kind of the conclusion to my question about high or how uh, trading fees would impact your your dividend investing and just mentioned that uh, the accountant I stumbled across uh, well simple's new trading platform that charges zero uh, for uh, trades yeah zero fee trading so is this gonna be is this a beta program or I think it's live because I, I actually signed up for that to be on the list and I have not been contacted when the accountant uh, saw it I, I said the same thing oh that's that's waiting list, but no, it appears that they're it's actually. Live. It it appeared to be live. Now I haven't actually tried it out because I downloaded it, but I didn't fund it or. Make now any and with it. I don't think everything under the sun is available. I was gonna say. I yeah, think it was a select group of securities that you were able to buy and sell for free. Okay, interesting. Uh, one more question. Uh, this is kind of directed at the accountant. I know you buy and sell options. Yes. Oh, jeez. Is... <laughs> <laughs> now we're, that's a whole other show right well, there I'm is just, options I'm trading. I'm just wondering if uh, option trading and dividend investing uh, intertwine at all for you. No. Wow. Well, I'll they, let you answer. They do for me, but this is getting very complex. Uh, yeah. We're going down a... So, yeah. I mean, do we want to go there? Like, let's say you own 100 shares of TD. So it pays you a dividend. Yeah. If you sell what are called covered calls, you can essentially collect another round of dividends off of those shares. <laughs> but it gets really complicated. There's a lot of risk involved. Let's and not talk about it. Let's that. not go that far. Yeah, That'll be a different episode. That's a whole... Yeah. I don't even think that fits into FI strategy investing it's just too high risk it's super high risk and i only do it because i enjoy it and i like playing the game really the whole point of what you know if you're investing your way to fi is it's simple you're paying yourself first you're doing it consistently your dollar cost averaging you know we're having this this discussion about dividends because a lot of people maybe have the misconception that dividends is free money right it's not free money no right no you're but it is a way of generating cash flow Absolutely. And you're getting, it's a way of generating a return on your investment that gets paid back to you rather than just in the form of stock appreciation. Now, you had a good example of that in our our little bit of a new section here deeper dive segment. Deep dive. (laughs) Nice. That's good. I like that. I don't have to try and come up with a sound effect for that. No, there, you you already got it. Um, Yeah, well, this is uh, as we were. Some air bubbles. Air bubbles? After, I, after the deep dive. Oh, that like, would be oh, nice. Some scuba. Out. It's a little splash and some like scuba bubbles, yeah. you know? Get on it. 
<laughs> I love adding work to yeah. the mechanics job. It's just because you know I came home from my real job and I'll be at home for a few days. Exactly. So I'm going to put you to work. Um, as we were talking about living off of dividends, uh, I did a little quick calculation, did some quick math, and I looked at, you know, over the past 30 years, if you had bought shares of the Bank of Nova Scotia in 1989, it closed the year out in 1989 and a thousand shares would have cost you $16,250. So you just pick a 50... 52 week high or low or you just average cost no that was December 31st okay you're just going with it okay fair enough yeah so they closed at 1625 on December 31st 1989 (sighs) if six month old me had been smart (laughs) would have bought a whole bunch of that yeah yeah so from that point out you could have collected your dividends for the past 30 years and spent the money so you've not reinvested any of your dividends. Okay, yeah. You've spent cash money, it, yeah. you've cash flowed it, and you've spent those dividends for the past 30 years. We're assuming it's in a tax-sheltered or we're not... We're assuming it it's in a tax-sheltered okay. account. But we're that not. doesn't really matter. But that doesn't matter because you'd pay the tax on the dividends and then spend the rest. Gotcha. Those That $16,250 investment from 1989 with spending all of your dividends today is worth $73,270. Still pretty good growth. It works out to an annualized return of 11%, and you've been spending all the dividends. Right. That's pretty good. Not to mention those... this is one specific stock. This is one specific stock, but this is an example of what dividend investing can do for you. Not to mention those 1,000 shares would now be paying you $3,480 a year in dividends. Right. So you've been spending money the whole time. Your initial investment is up a whole bunch. And your dividend growth over that time period now means that your dividend yield on your initial investment price is 21%. The current yield's about 5%? Is that the current right? yield's about 5%. Yeah. Right. Well, that's it's an interesting calculation to do that is your yield on your cost base. Yield on your cost base yeah. is 21%. That's, huge. that's astronomical. Yeah. Not to mention the 16250 that you originally paid. I put it into the Bank of Canada's uh, inflation calculator, yeah. and that's worth about $29,000 today, $29,894. And what's the stock worth again? The stock is worth seventy three two seventy. So the stock alone has well outpaced inflation. Mm-hmm. You've got dividend growth over the years. You've been able to spend all of those dividends. And I think that's a great example of why dividend investing can be a great tool in retirement. You're actually growing your net worth, getting to spend the dividends. You're growing your income stream. And that's why dividend growth stocks can be so powerful. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And I think you could probably pull some similar numbers out looking at uh, Canadian um, other Canadian bank stocks. Well, yeah. Canadian bank stocks are the yeah. cream of the crop yeah, for that. But, yeah. but it's, I mean, you look at Fortis, yep. similar numbers. TELUS, similar numbers. Mm-hmm. I should have got you to pull out what the index returns were for that time period too. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. I was gonna say the same thing, but we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it'd just be interesting to see is you know if you invested sixteen thousand two hundred fifty whatever you said it was in an index in the in well let's just call it the total market in the TSX. Uh, sure, I mean yeah. you could compare. Yeah, compare look at what it would be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it'd be interesting also to see is if you were in like a total. It'd be harder to track it the would. total market, but you yeah. could do VTSAX, the U.S. total market one. Uh, it depends when its inception was. 
It does. True. I'm just trying to give more work to the accountant. Yeah, trust me. It, <laughs> we just did a similar thing at work from 1995, and it cost the guy 33 grand. So mm. might be a decent amount of work. Then. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a lot of work. I'll bill you for that. Is that the end of your deep dive? Well, I'm curious. Essentially, yeah, but it's okay. it's just to point out that that's the beauty of living off dividends is if you don't have to touch your capital, you can oftentimes end up with more capital and a way higher dividend payout than you started with. Okay. No, I agree. Definitely. It that's adds a little investing in dividends. And it adds a little security to your uh, financial independence. Yeah. I think one of the downsides of dividend investing, though, is there's a lot of upfront work on your part to first of all learn about yeah the whole process of you know purchasing and, and having a dividend stock and then you're going to have to do some of your own due diligence you're going to have to do some research about a particular stock and i think that's really something a lot of people kind of go i don't want to get involved in yeah. financials and analysis and, and it's probably this. not for everybody it's definitely right? not for everybody and i think what happens too is i i was you talk to people and they rely on the current media about a stock way too much because one it's one of those things once you own bank of nova scotia for example now you're trying now you every time you hear a news article right bns mortgage rate or people you, you your ear perks up to it absolutely so instead of set it and forget it index investing you're it's now, definitely well, a more involved strategy but that's that's where if you pick a dividend etf you're you're kind of splitting the difference between index investing and dividend investing. I agree with that, but it's important to realize that if you look at most of the, like, say, for example, VDY, which is the Vanguard Canadian dividend, yeah. um, we decided the other one was better, didn't we? The um, the iShares? The iShares one? No, the BMO one. BMO one. Sorry, oh. BMO was better. And, and the point I was going to make was that if you're holding VCN and VDY, you're holding basically the same stocks. You're duplicating your holdings. Well, yeah, on the high end, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're not getting the the new companies that aren't paying dividends. If you're in V, if you're in VDY, yeah, I, that's fair. But they're probably such a tiny percentage allocation in VCN, just using Vanguard for example. Yeah, that they really don't impact that index right. very much at all, anyway. Right. So I guess my point is, you're creating more Canadian bias by owning VCN and VDY, and you're like, and you're only you're only owning right. VDY for a dividend, so. Yeah, you can dollar cost average into it, but you're just holding the same thing. Right. Right. But I think that's where, I mean, this whole dividend investing thing is just another form of diversification in terms of your cash flows. Like, it's a risk mitigation, right? You have a bunch of stocks that pay you some dividends. You have other index funds that are diversified outside of Canada. You've got some interest-bearing investments. Maybe you've got a rental property. It's I mean, the big if picture portfolio. yeah, it's the big picture of your portfolio. Where are your cash flows coming from? So Where is that you, coming in? You ignore VCN and just invest in the dividend paying VDY for Canadian stocks. Is that right? For Canadian stocks, I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So, and I need to make some adjustments too because I. Have... Whereas I I go for growth on my you know U.S. portfolio, international portfolio. Yeah. I'm not nearly as concerned about the dividends there. Yeah. I do my dividend investing within Canada. Canada. Yeah, totally. And I'm just going to throw out something where we can all, you know, for people that go, oh, I wouldn't know what to pick. Well, it's pretty easy, right? Because 
you've got a cell phone, you pay Bell or Rogers or Telus. Well, those are good blue chip Canadians that pay a good dividend. We all have bank accounts. Did you write an article about investing in what you own? I, maybe I should. Yeah. I don't think I did, did I? Maybe we've just discussed it. I think so. <laughs> but the point is that we all pay for heat and electricity, uh, gas. Uh, we go to gas stations and unfortunately buy gas for our vehicles. So many things. That's that, gotten real cheap lately. Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> uh, life insurance, um, you know, the Sun Life, Manulife, Great West Life. Like all, these are gigantic blue chip companies within Canada that we can easily invest in, that all pay good dividends, that probably, I'm not going to say they're not going to go away, but... You, you they're kinda, currently stable companies. They are currently invest, stable. If you want to pick a stock, pick somewhere where you're already spending your money. Right. Like, I love owning Telus shares because they pay me a dividend and I pay them a phone bill. Yeah, you should get on... Vis-a-vis uh, -vis Kudo, but... Yeah. You should get on the public mobile. Yeah. Well, that's Telus as well. Exactly. So it's like, why wouldn't I own Telestocks? Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to have a free cell phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, shall we delve into the last segment? Do of the you show? have, do we have a sound effect for the stupid money move yet? What would you like it to be? The toilet. The toilet flush? Yeah. We got a lot of water sound effects. Well, hey, that's just, that's because we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's against, what do you have the against FI these? The garage has a view of a water tower. That's not a water tower. It's a cell tower. Oh. There's no water up there. Anyway, there's a reservoir. Never mind. We're <laughs> to this week's stupid money move. Thank you for that. Since we're on the topic of dividend yields, dividend stocks is chasing yield, trying to get that high div payout. Oh, yeah. We've all been burned by that before. <laughs> you know, I just thought of uh, split share corpse, and that could be a whole other topic that you and I could talk about. So let's not get into that one. But chasing yield, right? Buying questionable, risky uh, companies that, or even companies on the downward, on the downward, trend. yeah. That oh, you might wonder why something's yielding eight, nine, ten, twelve percent. <laughs> I got burned by that real Me good too. once. Me too. I went into uh, energy exploration stock that was paying a twelve percent yield. Who doesn't want a 12% well, on their money? Absolutely. Right? Except when you lose all your money in the investment, you ain't yeah. making 12%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and that's the thing. I, I think when – I was definitely – I'm guilty of it 100% when I first started looking at dividend investing. it was It's so enticing to go like, oh, look at that 8% yielder and that one. And you, you because of our investor psychology, you don't do enough due diligence – you don't understand the company you're investing in. You don't understand the risks That's of the sector. That's not our investment psychology. That's our human, human psychology. psychology. Yes, you're absolutely. Like, well, if I if I just put $1,000 in there, I won't stand to lose much, but I'll be making 9% right. on the money. That's fantastic. Yeah. Until it's worth $300. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's the stupid money move is don't chase yield. No, do not. Invest in solid blue chip companies that you understand, I think, is probably a good thing to Yeah. If, if you choose to yeah. use what's, investing. What's your alarm bell for a percentage yield? <laughs> I've never heated one, and that's a problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. I think I need one. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, there's probably bad deals at every every yield. True. Right? True. Well, I've had, I've had uh, three companies that I actually did some research on. 
uh, cut their dividends. That's the other thing that you risk with dividend investing. That is that is something we didn't talk about, and it is a risk. You yeah. do risk your company cutting, cutting the dividend yeah, or, suspending or suspending the dividend altogether. Yeah. Uh, generally, it's going to happen with the higher yield, the more risky, more volatile type. Right. You know, companies where they're definitely have the higher higher yield. Higher yield. They have stuff. a bad quarter. Yeah, like I've right. been in uh, LIQ, which is is liquor stores, and how they're not making money. I cannot figure this out. And they're going to start selling weed. And their share price is just in the in the toilet. And so is the and they cut the, and they cut the div. Yeah. Did they suspend it or cut it? I, they did, they just cut it. Yeah. Yeah. They still pay me a six pack every month or so, so. Okay. It's all right. Wow. <laughs> Another case of investing where you spend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But anyway, I won't go into it. Anyway. I like you get your stuff to about well, C like you now. Right. Cannabis. Right. Yeah. Uh, good show. Yeah. First of the new, uh, yeah, new format. I there. think we're a little rough on the format, but it'll come together. Yeah. First time it's been a little different angle for a topic, but it's good. Yeah. Good change. We'll Once again, next time. you can find us at fragarage.ca on Twitter. Facebook. On Facebook, well, you can find the well, money. Ma- you can find you the can't money just say we're on, on Twitter. You have to say how we get there. It's fi underscore garage, right? At fi underscore garage. I still don't get the whole Facebook thing. Facebook is financial independence just garage. Let them try and figure out Pinterest. Don't complicate them. With what are we on Pinterest? The financial independence garage. Yeah. One more. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. What are we? I, I think it's. I am not it's got good a at Instagram. It. Yeah, I think I was because it's my account. I changed the name on it. Right. Yeah. We're all over the place. But you know, yeah. the most important thing is where you can find the podcast, which you're already listening to. So I don't know why I need to tell people that. But you can subscribe on iTunes. You should subscribe. That and, yes. Uh, there we go. That's what we're going Spotify, for. Spotify, Castbox, Google Play. Leave us a review. Maybe, ha- comment. Com- anybody give us. A- is anybody out there? <laughs> no, that's the problem. That is the entirety of the problem. No, there is nobody out there. We want there. topic ideas. We yeah. Ideas. Yeah, we want we want an idea of what you guys want to hear about. So if we have a listener, we'll do a show entirely catered to you. I do want to do a phone-in show. That would be fun. Yeah, we can't. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it, Wait, I shouldn't be so negative. That's right. <laughs> We can do a phone. We're not a radio. Though. We've got some interviews on deck, so we need to get to those too. Yeah. Uh, hey, and we got an exciting new release schedule. Fifteenth <laughs> and the first. Fifteenth and the first. That's the goal. I'm unwilling to endorse this yet. <laughs> and if it doesn't happen, it's entirely the mechanic's fault. Absolutely. Just so you know. Since we're on air, can we do the contract terms now? Since I've got the napkin with me that I wrote them down on. I don't know what contract terms are. Yeah, thanks for listening to the FI Garage. That's the money mechanic. The, the accountant. Economist. Oh, we said it at the same time. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're well, we're all here. 12 to go. Twelve. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to be to go. good for 12. We're fine. Yeah, exactly. Wait, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Au revoir. Au revoir. Nice. Yes. But we're drinking French beer. <laughs>